Welcome to the Redeemer Lincoln Square podcast. Our church began in April of 2017, and as a family, we seek to joyfully live as reflections of God's love together in the city. This podcast will primarily feature sermons from our Sunday worship service, as well as encouraging stories and conversations with members of our community. We hope you'll subscribe. Reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 11. For I've delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Verse 6, that he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believe. morning. What an incredible honor to be here today. Um, I'm accompanied with the executive director of our Promise Center, which is the nonprofit section or the CDC portion of our ministry at Promised Land Covenant Church. Um, I, I'm just um, so honored and humbled. Um, I've never seen my son as a Presbyterian before. And I'm so humbled to see him mentored and tutored uh, by Dr. Keller. I used to be his hero, and then he started taking classes with Dr. Timothy Keller. I used to be one of his best friends, and then he started hanging out with Michael Keller. And he used to be the youth pastor at our church of Promised Land, and now he's the uh, resident and probably now a Presbyterian coming out of the Evangelical Covenant Church and the Ordered Ministry, uh, which is a really big thing in the Afro-Swedish community. Uh, so I'm humbled and honored to see uh, all that, that's happening in his life, and I thank you to the leaders and to Michael for embracing my young Jedi. I have five beautiful children, but there's always one that just sticks to your side, and that's always been Matthew. So I, um, I give God praise. He's following after Jesus and the God of his father. Uh, having seen all that the church can do to damage somebody. In my tradition, that's where somebody would say amen. Uh, but the church is not perfect. And it's under construction until Jesus comes 
uh, we, we thank God for the work that he's doing in the Redeemer movement. We thank God for what he's doing at Lincoln Square. We thank God for the partnership uh, that many of you don't know me or never heard of Promised Land or never heard of Bronx Academy of Promise and, and, and the upcoming high school, but a missional movement that sprouted in concrete that has changed literally thousands of people's of life, lives throughout the Mott Haven section of the Bronx to the glory of God. And when the global pandemic hit and I got that phone call because I didn't know what we were going to do. I was late one night praying uh, in my room and I'm saying, God, have mercy. What are we doing? Our people are dying. Our people are going to the hospital and we're losing them. We can't do funerals. And I get this phone call at 11 o'clock from Michael, Pastor Michael. And he says, hey, how you doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm all right. How you doing? It's kind of late. What's up? And he says, hey, I, we got an opportunity. I think we can partner. And that partnership turned into uh, your church uh, and your leadership supporting us and serving hundreds of families in the South Bronx. To God be the glory. You fed hundreds of families that lost their jobs because the global pandemic wasn't just people getting sick. It was an economic tsunami to those that were in the margin space. And your church stood with a church uh, that you didn't even know. Now we're tied to the hip. Now we're sister churches. Now we're changing uh, and sending children for mentoring and residency and development. Uh, now we're partnering in what seems to be an elongated uh, pandemic. God is still on the throne. Somebody say amen. amen. God is still faithful. Somebody say amen. amen. So we give God thanks for the partnership. We give God thanks that we could be here today with you. I find it a privilege and an honor having served in 30 years of pastoral ministry, and now as the uh, uh, VP of church planting at City to City, I got the privilege to work with Michael back at 1166 and Dr. Keller and, and to deal with, uh, and not to deal with, but to teach and, and to support Reformed Theological Seminary and the city ministry program, to do so much good uh, for the city of New York, to see Jesus high and lifted up in our city in the backdrop of a global pandemic that has already killed millions and several thousand in our city. But Jesus is still on the throne. Jesus is still with us. This message was intended uh, to be preached to you several weeks ago, but because of different circumstances, uh, the title of it is The King Has Come. And I wanted to reflect on what Paul offers to the church at Corinth uh, as an apologetic to a church, some New Testament scholars would say and argue was starting to dissolve and starting to question and starting to drift. Uh, yes, Michael, even Paul's churches have challenges. He starts to write and he starts to get to uh, chapter 14 and 15 and, and so on, and he starts to present an orthodoxy for the Corinthian church. When we get to verse 1, I'm reading from the ESV. I'd like to reflect just on verse 1 again and then move on through it really quickly. It says, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel, Paul says. It's funny that we have to be reminded of the good news of Jesus. We have to be reminded of the narrative of salvation and redemption, especially today in this sociopolitical polarized reality that we live in. The gospel, the good news the resurrection of Jesus and the coming of Jesus and the redemptive, transformative work of the Holy Spirit. We've got to be reminded 
that it's not about us. We've got to be reminded that we're not here just to be one giant social club on 63rd Street in Center City, but that we serve a missional purpose in God's eyes. We are an extension of the kingdom of God. We are the hands of Jesus, the face of Jesus, the eyes, the voice of Jesus. But if we drift, if we become stagnant, if we become convoluted, arguing over things that are secondary and tertiary, he says this, I would remind you, brothers, Lincoln Square, this is the first sermon of the year for you. I pray it sets the tone for, ev- for the rest of the year that you be reminded of the gospel of Jesus, which you received, he says, in which you stand and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. Verse 3, for I delivered to you as first importance what I also received. I love that Paul says, of first importance, because this is not something that's a, 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 you know, a byproduct of this. This is a first importance, a foundation. He says, what I've also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive at the time, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. An apologetic to a church movement that's starting to drift and dissent and get caught up in philosophical tensions and arguments. Uh, the Greeks question crucifixion and call it foolishness. How much more the question of resurrection? This is what Paul is trying to reconcile and deal with in this text. The Corinthian church, a church filled with gifts, knowledge, movement, In the first century, it was the center place where everything happened. Nothing happened unless it was happening first through Corinth. So this was a key church. This was a church that was planted by God for a mission and for an intent to shift the tide of the powers of darkness and the kingdom of darkness. And so by all means, Paul's apologetic becomes an important and intricate need as he's addressing their dissent, their dilution, if you will. And right smack dab in the middle of this pericope of this paragraph, Paul turns around and he he gives us uh, something that we would call the Jesus sightings. The Jesus sightings. That's the apologia. He's saying, we saw him Uh, by the 500. We saw him through James and the apostles. We saw him through those that witnessed the empty tomb. He starts to recite to the church the sightings of Jesus. How in trouble must the church be if we've got to remember and look for sightings of Jesus among us? How much trouble, how shallow, how broken, how dysfunctional Maybe institutional must a church be when it has to be reminded of the sightings 
of Jesus. Can we see Jesus among us? Can we see Jesus in the other? Can, see, can we see Jesus in each other? Can we see Jesus in the least of these? Can we see Jesus with those coming out of the Department of Corrections and looking for a second chance? Can we see Jesus in the immigrants that is trying to find refuge from a, an asylum, from a, from a place of, of war and tyranny and oppression? Can we see Jesus in our own context with systemic racism and oppressive systems and legislature that keep margin folk in margin space and majority prosperous in a majority space? You see, these are not issues that many churches would like to talk about because they become polarizing factors. But they're not just issues. They're not just current events. They're theological tensions that if we really look at the New Testament, we see that Paul is deconstructing, especially when we go to Ephesians chapter 3. And this is the mystery of God's grace, that the cursed and the blessed could be in the same space. And I paraphrase Paul was an apologetic. He was the explanation. And here he's explaining to the church in chapter 15 that our entire foundation of faith is based on the resurrection. We are people of the book, but we are people of resurrection. And so our polity, our ecclesiology, our, our missiology needs to be expectant. Where is the resurrection power of Jesus? Um, Dr. Keller mentions we have a charter school and we're going into a high school and it's our second school. And uh, when we started, I never woke up one day and said, let me start a charter school. I never woke up one day and said, let me pursue formal academics. Let me go through the process of dealing with the Board of Regents. The mayor of New York at the time was um, a Bloomberg. I never woke up and said, let me deal with all of this stuff. But because of the needs of my community and context, because I saw and heard the lament of the people, and I saw generations of Afro-Latino uh, kids being lost, being lost to profiling and systemic oppression, we said, preaching is not enough. We've got to be incarnational and intentional. We've got to get into the system. And we've got to get into the system without proselytizing, without shoving Jesus down people's throat. Can we just live amongst people and let them see Jesus in our lives? Can we just live amongst people and then experience the love of the Christ, the Yeshua, the Messiah through us? Can we go and partner with the U.S. Department of Education and can, can, we, can we find a school that would be sensitive to the context and to the reality of we're losing kids by the thousands to incarceration? And the only thing that's going to break that is education. At LSQ, we value questions and the people who ask them, which is why we hold a time of question and response, or Q&R, after our Sunday worship service each week. It's an opportunity for anyone to text in questions and then process responses alongside our pastor and church leaders. If you have questions that you'd like to process, feel free to email us at lsq at redeemer.com or join us for worship on Sunday. 
You can find out more details on our website by visiting lincolnsquare.redeemer.com slash worship. Now, let's get back to this week's episode. By God's grace, sometimes God does things you cannot take credit for and you can't even explain. I do not know how. After 17 years, the school is now starting to reproduce. Over a thousand kids. And now with the high school, three schools. And no, we don't say the name of Jesus in the school. But we live out godly character. And the faculty know that we believe and we speak life over the children in the South Bronx. The poorest congressional district. And we see God doing miracles. And we see the resurrection power of Jesus every single day when a kid that has two parents that are incarcerated comes to school and he's a scholar to God be the glory. When a person or a young person is, a, is in a foster care system, has no roots and they're passed around, yet they find their way in the school to God be the glory. That God doesn't just use church buildings. Because wherever we put our big toe and put our foot, there is the church. Wherever God sends you, on the job, in the park, to the bodega, in the supermarket, it becomes sacred space because you walked in as a believer, as a person of resurrection. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles, in humility, Paul unpacks, and he says this. He testifies. In the black church, we testify. In the black church, we make room to talk about the miracles of God. In the black church, we, we talk to each other in the sermon, too. This is a real quiet uh, experience right now. With these. <laughs> Hopefully, you're not just asleep with your eyes open. Hopefully, you're getting something out of this. I got one amen. Amen. <laughs> I know what you feel like, Matthew. Amen. Thank you for the participation. Gloria a Dios. <laughs> but what happens when we, as people of resurrection, turn around and take God at his word and start to live it out? That's what Lincoln Square did. Lincoln Square stood with us and partnered with families. You know that 25 families who were on the verge of going into the shelter system found safety because of your church? Do you know that there was one family that had six children and the woman was with an abusive husband and the husband was ranting and raving, leaving them. It was the last day. They had an oppressive uh, landlord. And on the last day when all their stuff was packed up, there's a knock on the door, Iris delivering the check to cover their rent. And this family, this family who would have been homeless with six children, do you know what happens to a family when it goes into the shelter system? Children are lost. Parents are disoriented. It takes about three years to come out of the system if you can come out. Church, you have touched people because of your belief, because of your heart, that you've never even met to the glory of God. There are people who are doing well and have their children and are not homeless and are eating 100% of the people that went through that program that you supported are now employed and still living in their homes. 
You prevented 25 tsunamis, 25 losses. Why? Just because you're nice people? No. Because your people are resurrection. And we serve a God that resurrects dead things. I love that Paul opens up and he says this. He says this. He says, I'm the least of the apostles because I persecuted the church. I want to say this to you. Uh, they call me Reverend Doctor today. They call me Bishop in my denomination. I'm known to God be the glory, decent reputation, good friends like Michael Keller. But my parents were both incarcerated. My father did 22 years, my mother did seven years. And I was five years old when they facilitated a homicide. I made the front page of every paper in New York. The New York Times, the Daily Post, the Daily News. It's recorded. You can Google it. I cannot escape it. Yesterday was the anniversary of my mother's death. And I blessed the Lord that she was a child of resurrection. Because she knew Jesus before she left. And so did my dad. I should not stand before you today preaching, teaching, having seen what I've seen, done what I've done, been where I've been, traveled throughout the country, lecturing in various systems and universities. I should not stand before you today because I am a sinner and a chief sinner, but by the grace of God, here I am. I am what I am, as Paul says, because I believe in the king of resurrection. And even though my life was dead, and my family was dead, and there are so many reasons and excuses why I should not be here, I serve a God and believe in a Yeshua that resurrects. And resurrection is not just a soteriological reality. He is the resurrector of my poverty, my illiteracy, my brokenness, my mental health challenge, my broken family. He resurrects. Church, he resurrects. And Paul testifies of that within the text. He opens up a window and he says, this is where you saw Jesus over here, 500 saw him there. But then look at my life and look at how he resurrected my situation. In 2022, I pray that Lincoln Square makes room for resurrection power. You're not here just to gather. You're not here just to go through ceremony and liturgy. You're here because the king has come and with him is his agenda to resurrect. Now, you might say to yourself, man, that's a lot of stuff. That's pretty deep. But I want you to ask yourself this question. What does Jesus need to resurrect in your life? What does he need to resurrect in your family? What does he need to resurrect in your children, in your spouse? Because I believe in miracles. I believe in a God that still does miracles. My whole life has been reflective of that because I should not be here. And my son, the benefactor with my other children of the God of resurrection. 
I pray that 2022 Lincoln Square be a year of demonstration and power for the glory of God. Thank you for having me. Thank you for loving my son. And thank you for standing with Promised Land Covenant Church. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. Thanks for tuning in to our church podcast. We pray that it can serve as a resource for you as you continue processing aspects of Christianity and growing in your faith. We hope you'll subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. And we invite you to check out our website to learn more about our church and how to get connected to our family. Just visit lincolnsquare.redeemer.com.